0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Host and moderator Bonnie D. Graham talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham.
0: Welcome, 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 and if you you want to run with the game changers? You are in the right place. I know that for a fact. Today's Buzz IA for the uninitiated. That's internal audit. Let's get started. Your internal audit team and your company has an opportunity to shift from its traditional roles. You know what it does. It delivers assurance. It protects existing values. But now there's a new role on the horizon, the role of trusted advisor. And that's all thanks to technology innovations. But wait, there's more. With IA's corporate level positioning and its cross-functional role It may also be in the running to play what I like to call a lead role as your company's command center for risk. I see a starship somewhere out there. So what else lies ahead for internal audit? And now that the role is changing, how should you measure its value as that value is expanding? We're going to be talking today about internal audit at a turning point. Question mark, command center for risk, big question on the table. I have a panel of three experts. Let me introduce them and let's hear what they have to say. First up, I'd like to welcome Paul Sobel. He has a bunch of letters after his name, CIA and CRMA. He's a vice president and chief audit executive for Georgia Pacific, LLC. Those of you not familiar, it's a privately owned forest and consumer products company based down in Atlanta, Georgia. And Paul sent me the following quote from George Bernard Shaw, and I quote, "'You see things and you say, why? But I dream things that never were, and I say, why not?' beautiful quote paul sobel welcome to game changers radio how are you today
2: i'm doing well bonnie thank you very much
0: thanks for joining us so talk to me gbs on a financial excellence show that's a little bit of a stretch for some people perhaps tell me why you picked the quote and how it relates to our topic
2: yeah, normally you wouldn't think us auditor types would be uh, <coughs> reading Irish playwrights and Nobel laureates and, <laughs> and can't say that I have read that much, but I was really attracted to this particular quote, you know, starting off with, uh, you see things and you say why. Well, why is a very important part of what internal auditors do. We have to be inquisitive. You know, they, they say keep asking why until you have your answer, until you've gotten to the root cause. Mm-hmm. But the second part of that is what really resonates to me. I dream things that never were, and I say why To me, that's telling auditors that we have to be more creative than just inquisitive. We have to be thinking beyond just the whys, and that tends to have kind of a negative risk mitigation context. And thinking more about the opportunities to the future, that's, that's you know, much more of the why not part. I, th- I think we fall in the traps too easily of, of just questioning and, and trying to drive to the negative without saying, yeah, perhaps there is another way to do it. Perhaps there is a more creative solution than we've considered in the past. I think if auditors do more of that in the future, we'll be much better positioned to be really seen as value adding and, uh, and a source of value creation for the company.
0: Thank you, Paul. I heard you use the word creative in the same sentence with auditors. Help me with that. Is that something in the DNA of long-time auditors? Is that something you see coming down the pike with the younger members entering the profession? Just give me a little more on that.
2: Yeah, you're right. Uh, We don't hear those two in the same sentence that often. I actually think uh, I've run into a lot of very creative auditors. I think that particular gene may be a little bit more latent in in many, but it, it still exists. And and you know certainly the old paradigms of uh, you know kind of the green eye shade accountant etc. Mm-hmm. of of you know being very analytical have have been busted and and we cannot be successful and can't really be helping our key stakeholders if we aren't showing a little more balance in our personalities and, and truly trying to be creative. We have to be even a bit entrepreneurial at it. Another word that perhaps oh you don't see with auditor very often.
0: Oh my goodness, you're really really pushing the boundaries here. Well, this is good news, and that's why we're talking. Today, thank you, Paul. Let me introduce our second panelist. She's Carrie Oven. She's a partner and leader for the Internal Audit Transformation Market Offering in the Deloitte and Touche LLP Audit and Enterprise Risk Services Advisory Practice, and that's a mouthful and a big business card. And Carrie has sent me a quote from Teddy Roosevelt, and the quote is: "It is hard to fail." But it is worse never to have tried to succeed. Boy, that's a mantra for life. Carrie, welcome to SAP Radio. How are you?
3: I'm great, Bonnie. Thank you for that. And thanks I love, for joining I, us. Yeah, go ahead. I love, I love many of the speeches by Teddy Roosevelt. Actually, I, I think I found him to be very inspirational. And and that quote is actually a, a, a shorter version of his "Man in the Arena" speech around achievement. And I just I just love that. A, a lot of what he talks about here really speaks to putting yourself out there, going forward, pushing the limits, even if it's completely outside of your comfort zone, but I also think it addresses being willing to try and to fail, and, and frankly, I think we know that you know throughout life and anything we try to do personally or professionally, there are going to be times of failure, and, and frankly, those failures often make us stronger, and I think that experience really helps us make life and applies um, to many things that we do. I would also say um, uh, that it applies to what internal audit can do. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think we're on the precipice with technology of going into some new territory and how do we harness that technology and 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 actually exploit it to help drive more value for internal audit. And I think oftentimes we see the failures and the impediments of trying new things um, through our businesses and through internal audit, but I actually think we need to overcome those, try and succeed, um, I guess I do think it will help us take to the next level. So,
0: Thank you, Carrie. And, and let's relate that back to Paul's quote. I'm thinking uh, it is worse never to have tried to succeed in your Teddy Roosevelt quote. Would you relate that to the words, oh, my goodness, entrepreneurial and creative that he dared to put in the same sentence with auditors? What do you think?
3: Yeah, I was actually chuckling at that because <laughs> I know we're typically not viewed, viewed as the most creative types. But I but I actually think internal audit can be very entrepreneurial, it can be very insightful and value-driven, because I think we do, through our charter, have a a very wide purview on business and what's going on within our organizations and within the profession, and I think we are in a unique spot um, to bring that to bear.
0: Thank you, Carrie. Good. I'm glad you expanded that a little. And rounding out the panel is no stranger to Financial Excellence Radio. It's Bruce McQuaig. Bruce, you have so many letters after your name. It's like another alphabet, but I'll go through them. BCOM, CPA, CA, CIA, CRMA, CCSA. Most important to me, you're the Director of Solution Marketing for SAP Governance, Risk, and Compliance Solutions. And you've sent us a very interesting quote from Henry Ford. Three great quotes today. This one is, if I had asked people what they wanted, they would they would have said, faster horses. <laughs> I love that. Bruce McQuaig, welcome back. How have you been?
4: I've been great, Bonnie. Thanks a lot. Don't ask me what those letters stand for because I probably have to look up some of them, <laughs> but um, they're probably okay. they're, they're unaudited.
0: Long as long as I can speed read them, I could be creative with them. So, Bruce, interesting quote from Henry Ford. How does this relate to our topic about the turning point
4: for internal audit? Talk to me. Sure, Bonnie, it's also interesting that Carrie and I picked, uh, you know, a hundred, you know, uh, uh, characters that probably might have even known each other about a hundred years ago. They were kind of contemporaries, although I think Teddy Roosevelt was a little bit older. The quote that I've attributed to Henry Ford that is often attributed to Henry Ford is, uh, you know, if I asked customers what they wanted, they would have uh, said faster horses. Actually, there's no evidence that he ever said that. Uh, I thought that was interesting, but there
0: I saw that too. I saw that too, but I, I, I let you do it. Be, I let you have that quote because it was so fascinating for our topic. So go ahead, talk to well, me. Well, Let me explain the relevance.
4: He yeah. there's lots of evidence that he thought it. There's lots of evidence <laughs> that he behaved that way. Uh, Henry Ford uh, didn't innovate a lot. He he had an idea to produce Model T's black Model T's cheaply, and his uh, success for the first you know 10 or 15 years of the, autom- of the automobile company was to, was to continue to do that, make them more cheaply, make more of them. Drive the cost down uh, and uh, let people make them affordable for for people. But when somebody came along with innovation, and specifically General Motors, uh, they talked about you know buying by installment, taking trade-ins, annual model changes. That's when that's when uh, Henry Ford's belief that you don't ask the customers what they want started to slip, and really caused him to forced him to to change his behavior, and uh, and change the strategy, and begin to you know focus more on the customers. And I sense this is a time of change in the auditing profession. Um, certainly from what I've seen in some of the studies I've read recently, there's somewhat of a gap between uh, the major customers and internal auditors, the boards and the C-suite, assess both their value and their performance, major gap. Um, and I thought it's time perhaps to begin to think about what what's the world's going to look like going forward. We did a study, a survey of about 150 auditors at the IIA International Conference uh, in London a few weeks ago. And it's interesting because these tended to be senior people in the audit organizations, and they tended to have a bit more of a global perspective because they came from all over the world. Uh, 54% believe that technology will fundamentally change how audit services are performed and how the value of those services are measured. And only 14% say that the current audit management or audit analysis tools meet their needs. So it looks to me like there's um, some fundamental change coming in the profession, and I'm hoping we can have some interesting conversation about what that change will look like during the course of our discussion today.
0: We sure will. And I have to mention to you that Henry Ford was mentioned big time in a recent show I did on our Coffee Break with Game Changers series on July 23rd. The topic, Bruce, was the future of make for me, the luxury of customer individuality. And it came up in my monologue. Uh, We said that customers again today are clamoring for make for me. And we harked it back to when Henry Ford, I call it carjacked manufacturing model. And he said, any color you want, as long as it's black. And there we had the mass production economy so uh, thank you for indulging my look back it's nice to see these these quotes being cross-pollinated in these personas now i have a very tough question for the three of you i hope you're thinking about this it's what's in your cup today you know the drill so paul sobel tell me where you're calling from and are you drinking something really interesting or what do you wish you were drinking
2: yeah. Well, first of all, calling from Atlanta, and uh, what I have in my cup is water. I've been called an aquaholic before, but I've, I've got a little more interesting uh, way to go as well. Um, I had the opportunity to live in London for about eight months uh, you know, back some years ago, and and uh, you know, younger in one's career. Tend to drink a little bit more beer. And there were so many different beers that I had never seen or heard of before. So being kind of the typical left-brain accountant auditor type, I started to keep a list. And that list has turned into a fairly extensive database that uh, I keep the the country or state of origin as well as where I've consumed it. So it's quite a travelogue, a good conversation piece if I'm visiting people from other parts of the world. And I'm very happy to say that uh, at the recent London International Conference that Bruce just for referred to, I hit number 1400 on my list. So a bit of a milestone with a lot of uh, good internal audit friends. So no, that's not in my cup right now. That's my story and I'm sticking to it, but uh, it, uh, it is frequently.
0: I told you to make me smile and you sure did. And I think I can hear the other panelists smiling as well. Carrie, I won't ask you to top that. What are you drinking or what are you thinking about? <laughs>
3: Well, I know this is coffee break with Game Changers, but I have to say, Bonnie, I'm actually not a big coffee drinker. I do love the smell of it, however, and and if I do drink it, it's typically loaded up with cream, sugar, chocolate, and whatever, (laughs) (laughs) and typically after dinner. But today in my cup, I actually have a favorite of mine, and, and, and in the spirit of, of Starbucks and high maintenance ordering, I um, typically like, I am right now drinking the Tazo Passion Iced Tea, extra large, um, unsweetened, undiluted, extra ice, and shaken, not stirred in a very James Bond kind of way. Um, wow. So <laughs> I know, and and I have to, I have to say that I'm not the highest maintenance order when I when I eat when I um, order my passion iced tea from from Starbucks. I've heard others taught me, but we certainly like to get, like things the way we like them. But I think that's But I like the passion iced tea. You know, it's a real vibrant red color, and hopefully, I'm not mm-hmm. wearing anything light. Thankfully, today I'm not. That I will is slosh on me but at any rate it's bright colored it's vibrant and frankly i think we all need a little passion in our lives and everything we do even an in internal audit so I'll, I'll take the the passion iced tea
0: i love that yes and i'm still remembering uh, what paul was talking about creativity and entrepreneurial and now you're an auditing professional and you've got creativity in what you drink i love it thank you carrie bruce McQuaig, my goodness what what are you drinking today i won't ask you to top either of those just tell me
4: well, I'm, I'm boring, Bonnie, and I certainly I can't even approach topping either one of those. But um, I live in a little town called Zurich, Ontario, just like the uh, Swiss city. And it's about two hours north of uh, where uh, Kerry is right now in Detroit, on the Canadian side of Lake Huron. And I'm at least 40 miles, maybe more from the nearest Starbucks, and even further from anything more exotic than that, although there's plenty of Tim Hortons being in Canada nearby. So mm-hmm. what I do is I uh, bought myself a really nice uh, coffee machine. Uh, grinds the beans and lets you express, mm. what you, lets you pick, you know, what you want to have. And I, mm-hmm. I drink espresso, and uh, I'm able to get my hands on some nice Italian lavazza beans. And um, that's what I brewed this morning. That's what's in my cup right now. It's actually quite good. Um, the thing that is not so good is that I made this cup of coffee at about nine o'clock this morning, and I'm still sipping on it, and it's a little cold right now. But it still tastes good. So. Um, boring cold but that's uh, that's what i've got
0: it doesn't sound boring to me at all my question is do you doctor it up or is it high test right out of the out of the coffee brew no product? i
4: put a i put i prop a little bit of uh, 1% or 2% milk and dump it on top so it's uh, that's as exotic as i get
0: Okay, Bruce, we like you just the way you are. I'm Bonnie D. Graham talking today with Paul Sobel at Georgia Pacific, Carrie Oven at Deloitte, and Bruce McQuaig at SAP. Our topic is a very interesting one, and we're going to pursue it and weave in and out of this topic when we come back with our 30-minute roundtable. We're talking about internal audit at a turning point point command center for risk very big things on the horizon something i heard about creativity and entrepreneurial and passion in the same sentence with auditors we're going to go and talk about that even more don't even think of touching that mouse that app that dial we'll be right back brad out
1: SAP and Sybase, an SAP company, offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll free. 866 472 5790. 866 472 5790. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Comments, questions, send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to financial excellence with Game Changers.
0: And we're back with our roundtable, 30 minutes nonstop. I'm speaking today with Paul Sobel at Georgia Pacific, Carrie Oven at Deloitte, Bruce McQuaig at SAP, and our topic is very important for every organization, internal audit at a turning point, command center for risk, and what else is on the table, what else lies ahead, and the role technology plays. So, Paul Sobel, let's kick off our roundtable. And you sent me in your notes before the show, very interesting statement. I think there's a good jumping in point. You say technology can and should change the way auditors do Everything. I like the word "should," and I like the way word "everything." So, please get us started, Paul Sobel.
2: Okay. Well. I'll, perhaps I'll start uh, by harkening back to Bruce's quote and, and say that uh, that also, I think, applied very much to Steve Jobs, that uh, he, he wasn't one who just said, what do you want? He said, this is what I think you want, what I think you need, and, and that's the direction that Apple went. And I think that's, uh, that's the way that we have to be as auditors as well. So when you think about the, just in the last few years how much uh, the technology landscape has changed, uh, you know, data analytics and big data, it's an area that uh, is causing us to rethink the way that we do audits. How do we mine uh, the tremendous amounts of data that are there? How do we analyze that data in ways that'll actually be helpful to the business, uh, helpful to you know, value creation, give management more confidence in the decisions that we make? And then I think one of the keys that we're really seeing emerging now is uh, what I'll call visual analytics. You know, how uh, how can we take that analysis and put it in a dashboard type format that uh, it really talks to anybody? It's not you you don't have to be a high tech or high powered analyst to understand it. that the dashboards will jump right out at you and, and you know, really give you the sort of information that you need. So I think auditors need to really play a, a leading role in that. I, I think a lot of the, the IT folks uh, are, are so busy behind the scenes making sure that the systems are processing what they're supposed to in a secured manner that they're not spending enough time trying to think about how can we unleash this data and really turn it into a powerful tool for management. Auditors can and should do that. Now, similarly, I think uh, you know, technology is changing the way that we'll do our jobs themselves. Uh, yeah, I've got a laptop on my desk right now, but I think a few years from now that laptop uh, may be a, a tablet or could even just be a mm-hmm. smartphone. You know, We'll access uh, printers and and monitors and, and you know, data, et cetera, all through Bluetooth and and Wi-Fi, and we won't be thinking about carrying around the same sort of hardware that we did today. I think that's going to make us uh, much more nimble and agile as auditors as well, that uh, we'll be able to you know, take pictures if we see something, say, on a a manufacturing floor that we don't think is quite safe, uh, take Mm -hmm. a picture and immediately get it to, say, somebody in the the safety area so that we can get that corrected immediately. Uh, You know, you think about Google Glass and how that might be able to be used. You know, we might be able to record all the conversations we have. Granted, you want to let people know ahead of time you're doing that, but Mm -hmm. the point is, is technology is changing so rapidly that I think it will make us uh, much more nimble and, and much more a part of the organization so that we will be doing things in very very different ways than we've done them before. And I guess the final thing is that as our organizations embrace technology and use new in different ways it's no longer just the internet of data it's, it's becoming the internet of things and eventually the internet of everything. We're going to have to make sure we understand what the risks are associated with that uh, explosion in technology to make sure that we can help provide the assurance, and to use a term that you did, protect the existing Mm -hmm. value that new technologies could destroy if not used properly.
0: Thank you, Paul. Carrie, Evan, thoughts? I know you have some interesting comments as well about the evolution of internal audit. Why don't you piggyback that onto what Paul started
3: yeah, I would I would also say that I think we are certainly at a certain point from technology. We've seen the emergence of tremendous technology over the course of the last, you know, couple decades. Funny when I actually started with Deloitte, I was not issued a computer. I was given a seven-column ledger paper, and that's frankly how we audited back in back even just 20 years ago. And mm-hmm. now we can't live without our our PCs, our tablets, our smartphones, which all of which I seem to be carrying in my briefcase. Um, but I do I do think that technology has only begun um, a rapid emergence, and I think from an audit perspective, we are certainly seeing technologies like um, predictive analytics and data mining and um, visualization, all the things that Paul talked about. You know, be 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 a part of how we're doing internal audit. I would say, in many ways, it's at the nascent stages. We're still figuring out all the different technologies that are out there. But I absolutely agree that we have an opportunity to really tech-enable internal audit end-to-end. And I think that speed of uh, and pace of change is only going to accelerate as new technologies come onto the market. Um, It also is forcing us to think more about talent models for internal audit and how do we actually bring and breed technology-savvy internal auditors that actually can use such technologies to harness data and harness data efficiently um, to drive um, value through internal audit. But I I would agree with many of Paul's comments that, you know, we have been on uh, an amazing ride with technology, but yet we are really at the beginning and I think there's there's many more that are that we're starting to see emerge um, and who knows where we will be in the next five years around technology, but I think certainly one fact is is that technology is here to stay and we need to embrace it on how we approach internal audit.
2: Say, Carrie, this is Paul. I want to really reinforce that point you made about the talent model. Um, you know, I, I I like to think that I can be fairly creative and ask some of those "why not" questions, but I find a lot of the the younger folks coming out of universities these days are really good about that. Uh, whether it's because they grew up in social media or what, I don't know, but they are are helping us push the envelope by asking more of those "why not" questions.
0: Great point, Paul. Terrific. Bruce McQuaig, I want to get you in on this conversation. Thoughts on evolution and, and the role of technology, the burgeoning
4: role of technology in the IA role today? Yeah, thanks, Bonnie. Um, wonderful conversation with uh, with Paul and Carrie. Let me add to that a yeah. little bit and maybe push the boundaries a little bit. Um, I've often wondered um, if we were to dream up the concept of internal audit departments today with the, with the uh, technology we have today, if we do these things we call audits. And, and I wonder sometimes if... We really can't measure the impact of technology on the profession by the reduction in, in reliance on traditional kinds of audits. And by that I mean kind of you know prepackaged reports on control assessments or perhaps even risk assessments at you know, sub levels of the organization. Uh, it seems to me and I go back to what Paul said about dashboards and those sorts of things what, what auditors really do is create information, perhaps create knowledge. I wouldn't say it's assurance per se. Uh, but create knowledge. And I'm wondering if there isn't a better way to create knowledge and a better way to package it and a better way to present it than traditional audit reports that we've we've used in the past. I mean, using technology, and I've seen this to a great extent, and I know customers want it right now, using technology to do quicker audits uh, or to do them more efficiently is uh, a little bit like Henry Ford, uh, using, you know, making the assembly line go faster and driving productivity, Mm -hmm. but I think there's more to it than that. Uh, If the job of auditors is to create knowledge about how risks and controls are functioning in the organization and impacting performance, then I think we can package that information a little bit differently, and I think we can measure the results of audits a little bit differently than we do right now. So I'm looking forward to the day when we kind of redefine uh, the role of auditor from one of from from the activity they produce and stop measuring the number of audits they perform to measuring the uh, amount of knowledge they create and the value of that knowledge to the organization and uh, build some resilience into the organization with that knowledge. So um, I think we can push further on the application of technology than we've really imagined so far and I'm looking forward to seeing that happen.
0: Thank you, Bruce. It sounds like you're talking, uh, Carrie, just one second. Uh, it sounds like, Bruce, you're talking about not just activity, but the results and the benefit of that activity. Am I right? Correct. Yes. Okay. Carrie, please join us. Yeah, Go ahead. I was,
3: I was just actually going to comment on that, Bruce. And I, I am working with so many organizations right now that are trying to do just what you're talking about, which is move the needle on the value and insight that they're providing to their stakeholders versus churning out internal audit reports. Um, I would, though, just state that I do believe that internal audit does have an important governance responsibility around assurance. And, frankly, there's a fair amount of what internal audit will do that will have to kind of be basic blocking and tackling, so to speak. However, I do think that technology can help us do that piece of our charter if more efficiently and, frankly, more effectively and certainly report it out in a more insightful way. Um, but I, I do want to make sure that, you know, we, we don't lose the fact that internal audit does have an important responsibility around assurance, but then certainly also has a, a significant oppor- opportunity around advisory um, services to its stakeholders and, and insight and value around business. Um, So I do think that I have many organizations that are trying to move the needle there, and I do think technology provides an opportunity for us there.
4: I I accept that, Carrie. Let me just make an analogy in a non-audit environment. Um, Mm -hmm. I go to my doctor and say I want to do my annual physical, and the doctor can come back to me and say, Bruce, you're healthy. See you next year. Um, That in its simplest form is assurance, but it's not very useful to me. I want the doctor to tell me my blood chemistry from the blood work they've done, I want the doctor to tell me my cardiovascular uh, capacity and the health of my cardiovascular system, my liver function, kidney function, all those sorts of things. So it's not just enough to say, Bruce, you're healthy. It's enough to say, Bruce, you're healthy, and here's how things are working, and here's what you might do to make them work a little bit better, diet, exercise, those sorts of things. So it's beyond what we think of as just traditional opinion, internal controls are effective. It's here's how they're working, here's where they're not working, here's what you need to do to improve them. That's real information, and that's real knowledge. So,
3: absolutely moving that, agree. Moving that needle past
4: pure assurance into into some knowledge that supports it, if I can use kind of a crude analogy.
3: Absolutely agree. Yeah,
2: Paul? we we actually Paul? have uh, yeah. in, included in our. Uh, latest vision uh, of the phrase around, you know, the value we create is is not so much the assurance we provide. And that is very important. I agree with you, Kerry. We always need to have a certain assurance or protection element to it. But we talk about value in terms of the knowledge we share and the actionable insights that we provide. So I I think that gets to what you're, you're referring to, Bruce, that there's a means to the end. And management and stakeholders are very interested in that means, not just the end. They just don't want you to tell them, yeah, everything's okay, don't worry about it, or here are your problems, go fix them. They want to understand you know, how we came to those conclusions, what sort of good practices we can share that maybe uh, that can be used elsewhere in the organization. Uh, and, and even if things are working well, we may still have ideas about how they'll even work better in the future. So that, uh, that, that whole concept about knowledge I think is very important.
4: So it's facts supporting the opinion and insight driven from the facts. I think th- those yes. two things together are what assurance will mean, uh, you know, two years from now, five years from now. Thank you
0: all. Good conversation. I want to move to focus more, a little honing in on the word risk, which was part of our topic for today. I'm going to ask Carrie Oven at Deloitte to talk about that. And our topic is internal audit at a turning point, command center for risk, question mark. So Carrie, I'm reading from some of your notes here and you say internal audit now has a unique opportunity to provide a valuable perspective on risk to its stakeholders. Let's Let's uh, focus in on this. How do, is anything new? Is it the visualization tools? What is giving them this unique perspective, and when did it become a unique perspective?
3: Well, well, first I would say I think internal audit has always had a perspective on risk, and frankly, um, with our standard charter, it is squarely within our realm of responsibility to understand risk and help elevate risk to our stakeholders, management, the board, audit committees, et cetera, um, and the concept of the command center for risk I think is, is intriguing in the fact that internal audit, unlike um, maybe a, um, an isolated line manager, internal audit typically can have a very enterprise view of risk um, given the fact that we are under our charter looking at risk broadly within the organization and, and doing audits across an organization that I do think we have a unique view to kind of alert management, the audit committee, our stakeholders broadly around when we see risks that are interconnected within an organization um, that thematically can actually mean something in a bigger way outside of just an individual business unit or within an individual process or an individual of control. So I do think that we have um, an opportunity to bring that information together to support providing information like a command center for risk. I would note, though, however, that I I believe management um, still owns the owns the risk. They own the controls to mitigate the risk. They own the actions of the operation of the business. So I don't want to blur the lines of independence of what internal audit is and our standard charter of internal audit. But I do think we have an opportunity to bring insights to your point on on visualization techniques i absolutely agree that there is opportunities to provide more insight in more uh in in more tech savvy ways to our stakeholders so not only writing an audit issue and reporting it um, in a report but Having that be um, enabled by data that we would either mine through data analysis um, that we would actually use some visualization techniques in the forms of of um, interconnected um, data points that we would provide in a more dynamic internal audit report. In fact, I have some organizations that I'm working with right now that are only using iPads for reporting of audit rep- audit reports and audit results to their audit committees. And how can we go beyond just your Word and Excel and PowerPoint um, type of documents to really provide insight where... You might be using a visualization technique that allows you to do some on-the-fly slicing and dicing of data, allows you to click through and get to some of the detail. And while not every executive or audit committee member might uh, want that information, I do think that we have an opportunity to harness more information through technology in our reporting for internal audit.
0: Thank you, Carrie. Bruce McQuaig, thoughts or Paul Sobel? Anyone? Jump in.
4: Well, let me jump in. It's Bruce here. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me just—I don't disagree with anything Kerry said. I think it's all correct. I just think we have to back up one step before we start looking at risk. And I may have made this point before in an earlier broadcast, Bonnie, but I'll repeat it here. I was once okay. the auditor of an oil and gas company, uh, and I had a staff of uh, several dozen, probably sixty or seventy auditors. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we spent most of our time in that audit department looking at inventory in various shapes and forms, refined product inventory, crude inventory, and refineries reuse vessels in the, at sea, tanks, terminals, that sort of thing. When you look at the economic value of an oil and gas company, probably 5% of it is in the inventory or product above ground, and 95% of it is in uh, oil and gas reserve, proved, proved there were probable oil and gas reserves in the ground. And I didn't spend any time looking at that. Uh, it's very complex calculation, engineering calculation, geological implications, Economic implications, but it's a real number. And uh, there's all kinds of risks that occur in that area in, in the sense that you can develop and find some wonderful resources, but have to write them off because you can't get them to market or because the price changes on you. Um, my view is that you have to start with value before you can anticipate that auto would add value by looking at risk. And so I think we need to think clearly about where the value of our business is and then look at the risks to that value. And auditors, I think partly because of Sarbanes-Oxley, and I can't really blame it on Sarbanes-Oxley because my stint in auditing was long before Sarbanes-Oxley, we tend to look at Mm -hmm. tangible things, physical things, account balances, those sorts of things. And often the real value of the business is not represented in the financial statements. It's a concept, it's it's a... it's a construction of, of some other sort. And so I think it's worthwhile saying before we apply all our great thinking about risk and our visualization, visualization about risk and our technology, let's focus on where the value is and how that real value is created or destroyed. And if we do that, then I think we'll, uh, we'll be a real command center for risk and drive value from it. Does that make Thank sense? you, Bruce.
0: Yeah, Bruce, uh, Paul Sobel, I want to hear from you. Thoughts?
2: Wow. Well, yeah. You know, first of all, if we had another hour, I think Bruce uh, just kind of pointed us in a different direction in terms of integrated reporting, which uh, you know, right. really gets to the essence of uh, what what is the value of an organization and and how do you report on that value. But recognizing we don't have that much time, I'll, I'll kind of you know, curl back to the risk question. And and you know, Bruce, I I think you're you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, risk by definition is uncertainty. In fact, I like uh, ISO thirty one is thousand's definition, which very simply says that risk is the effect of uncertainty on objectives. And when I think about internal audits' uh, evolution of, of thinking around risk is we started off, I think, doing a good job of saying what sorts of things can go wrong relative to the stuff we already know about. And so we probably better prioritized our time around those risks, but we were still missing some of the big things more recently i think there's been more focus on objectives and strategy and vision for an organization because that's really what makes risk matter and i think auditors are doing a much better job of that now but frankly that's the way management thought anyway you know management didn't wake up in the morning and said you know what's going to go wrong today they, they they wake up and say, what needs to go right? You know, How can I make sure that we're creating as much value as possible? So I, th- I think that really what internal audit is doing now is we're evolving the way that we think about risk as well, and in doing so in some pretty valuable ways. I find that in my organization, as well as just talking to peers around the world, one of the key things that, that you know, I, I can talk about and, and help educate people on and help them think about is is risk tolerance. It's like, okay, we can't reduce all risk to a zero level. That would either be impossible or, or cost prohibitive. So how much risk are we really willing to live with? And those sort of conversations are actually quite valuable within an organization. I think it, it helps, uh you know, people, whether they're in the finance organization or in operations, better think about how to best deploy their very valuable resources. And so when you kind of back to what Kerry was talking about, the command center of risk idea, yes, she's absolutely right. Management owns risk. Management has to be accountable for it. But we can play a very, very valuable role in helping to facilitate discussions around such things as, as risk appetite and risk tolerance, as well as just educating the organization so eventually, everybody's thinking risk. This whole risk management concept is something that's ingrained really in the, in the culture of the organization. Now, one other thing that, that Carrie mentioned that I wanted to, to touch on, and she talked mm-hmm. about some of uh, her clients who are, are now using you know pads or tablets for reporting. Well, I, I think that's a, a very important step in the right direction. I've actually asked people around the world over the last years I've done travels, you know, how many of you are starting to tweet your audit results? well i don't think Ooh. i got any hands and and there's probably <laughs> some good reasons for that we do need to yeah. make sure that you know we've done our due diligence we've got our facts straight uh, vetted it appropriately but i think there's some wisdom in what's going on with social media that we need to find ways to more quickly get those messages out there if it's a positive message then it can be leveraged elsewhere in the organization if it's a negative message then it can be fixed more quickly and as as we start to pull away from you know the the lengthy and laborious to read uh, text based audit reports, and start to get into those quicker messages, whether it's literally Twitter or something else. I I think our value will come to fruition more quickly than perhaps it does even today.
0: Thank you very much, Carrie. I bet you have something to say back to Paul or Bruce.
3: Yeah, I was just I was I was kind of chuckling on the Twitter comment, but I I think the point being that. Having a more real-time conduit through technology to share audit results just helps us be more relevant than, frankly, what we many of us have today, which is you know a 25 to 30 day lag on getting an audit report issued and out the door. I, I do think that we we need to maintain the integrity of um, the process to make sure that what we're putting out there from an audit insight and audit comment perspective is. As Paul mentioned, validated and supported by facts, and there is some level of review process that goes with that. But I I fully embrace and think that you know we do have an opportunity to be more real time with our audit reporting through technology. Absolutely.
0: Thank you very much. I guess what I'm going to go into a slightly different tack. I want to look at some of the notes that uh, Bruce McQuaig sent me before the show, and we're talking. I want to talk about technology. Bruce, you sent me a list of the required technology for this change, this evolution or, or metamorphosis of the internal audit function. You say the technology required includes collaborative tools, self-assessment, surveys, dashboards, analytics. Why don't you give us your overview and we have time for both Carrie and Paul to chime in before we go to break.
4: Go ahead, Paul. Uh, go ahead, uh, Bruce, rather. Yeah, thanks, Bonnie. Uh, well, certainly, let's start with collaborative tools. Uh, I hadn't mm-hmm. gotten uh, my thinking as uh, as far as Paul has with respect to tweeting auto reports, but I do find that uh, intriguing, <laughs> and I wouldn't dismiss it. Uh, it. It's pushing the boundary a little bit, but it's very, very interesting to me. Certainly, we need collaborative tools to continuously engage with with the business, uh, understand their performance issues, their business issues on a, on a day to day, week to week basis, so that we can plan better. Uh, I, I thought of you know, the audit approach I followed as kind of a hit-and-run audit approach. Every, every three years or so, you'd land in a refinery, audit the heck out of it, you know, issue a report a couple of months later, and then go back in three years, and that doesn't really work. I think collaborative tools to continuously engage, understand the risks in business are, are something that are very important, and that will lead to more continuous planning than these you know, uh, annual audit plans, uh, more, more, more planning and better deployment of resources. I do think that it's important to have self-assessment and survey tools, and my background uh, from the audit department I was involved in many years ago was innovative in the area of self-assessments and surveys began, in some respects, the the self-assessment movement quite some time ago. ago. And really what we were trying to do was to tap into the minds of the business in terms of uh, how controls worked, how their business worked, uh, what their objectives were and how they were meeting those objectives. And we found it was possible to get some pretty rich and detailed information about the business and about control effectiveness and about risk by asking for uh, self-assessments and providing some training, some tools to help them do that. Um, it, it's, it's, I think, still vastly underutilized. You can dramatically increase the coverage uh, and the amount of knowledge you create by, by performing self-assessments or encouraging self-assessments and promoting them, and it takes some skill and some technology to do that. We've talked about dashboards, and uh, that's come up mm-hmm. in both what Paul has said and what Kerry has said, and I think that's fantastic. Uh, You you really, when you're putting together a dashboard, you really have to focus in on what's important. I've seen all kinds of, you know, images and advertisements of, uh, you know, corporate executives getting on on company jets uh, with their iPads in front of them, looking at dashboards. I haven't seen any getting on a corporate jet reading a 30-page audit report. It's important to distill down the information, the insights. Uh, that people need to know into a dashboard level type of report and to help them draw insights from that but simplicity takes a huge amount of work and the uh, the uh, you know the dashboard itself is is not something that's going to be simple to create so i think what auditors need to do is to use technology that will drive the continuous creation of information uh, push the accountability for that creation of information into the business hands through into business through self-assessments and surveys and uh, continually update that and continually report it through through dashboards with analytics uh, to provide insights. So I'm looking for things that are a little bit outside of what we think of as traditional audit reports, uh, where auditors go and do the inspection and test the controls. I'm looking to engage management as much as possible and drive that information from management and perhaps do quality assurance on that information from management. Uh, rather than the traditional audit that goes in and does their report and comes back every three years with uh, some conclusions. Thank you, Bruce. Paul, thoughts?
2: Yeah, you know, as I listened to Bruce, uh, one one word came to mind, which I'm not sure we've actually mentioned today, and that is uh, facilitator. I I think auditors underestimate the power they have in an organization as a facilitator, whether it's facilitating uh, solutions or... Uh, what Bruce was talking about, even facilitating a control self-assessment with which, of course, his old organization was really one of the pioneers in many years ago. And, and I, I think technology helps us be that much better of a facilitator because now it doesn't come down to just being comfortable in front of an audience and waving your arms and you know, bouncing things back and forth between people. Uh, we can use technology and some of the visual assurance in, in ways that really help facilitate that kind of discussion. But it it still comes down to recognizing the fact that we are not the experts in the business. We need to know a lot about the business, but those uh, those people who are out there doing it day in and day out, having the accountability to manage those risks from week to week, they're really the experts. And I think as as we as auditors start to realize that we don't have to have all the answers, we have to be able to help facilitate our internal customers getting to the best answer. That's really the role that we need to play. Yes, we may identify issues, we may identify opportunities for improvement, but uh, we, we actually don't put recommendations in, in any of our audit reports. We have agreed-upon solutions, and to me that's what really matters. We want to facilitate help, helping them come to the best solution to address whatever opportunity we identified.
0: Thank you. Carrie, thoughts
3: before we go on a break, please? Um, Yeah, I was just um, thinking about the comments, Bruce, that you made around simplicity takes a tremendous amount of work. I loved that. I'm going to borrow that one from you (laughs) because I do think it's very relevant to what we try to do in in internal audit from a reporting perspective is how do we really take all the myriad of detail that we have in testing, you know, hundreds of controls and processes and looking at risk and, and all of the detail and how do we really, truly get to a valuable dashboarding type concept or a valuable um, simple view that can resonate with executives? And I think that you know, audit report writing currently, right now, is a bit of an art form. And I think that there's just again more opportunity for us to harness technology to do that in more innovative ways. So, um, again, simple sometimes does take a lot of work.
0: Good points all. Thank you very much. Guess what? I'm going to give you all about 90-second break to take a sip of something good before we come back with our crystal ball predictions round. I'm speaking today with Paul Sobel at Georgia Pacific, Carrie Oven at Deloitte, Bruce McQuaig at SAP. I'm still Bonnie D. Graham, and you're listening to Financial Excellence with Game Changers. We'll be right back, wrapping up with the future for internal audit at the turning point. When will it make that turn? And maybe in five or six years, will it be in fact the de facto command center for risk? Find out. Come back, Brad out.
1: SAP and Sybase, an SAP company, offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. Welcome back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Comments, questions? Send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers.
0: Welcome back, and we're now at the predictions round at the closing of our show. We've been bandying around a lot of words, talking about internal audit. How is it changing? Morphing, evolving. We use the word creativity. We use the word entrepreneur. We use the word facilitator. We've talked about tools and collaboration and visualization, all good stuff. Well, now I'm going to ask my panel of Paul Sobel, Carrie Oven, and Bruce McQuaig to look into the crystal ball. I know you each have one. Somewhere you got it during the break, I'm confident, and I I want you to predict if you can go out to the year 2020, because even auditors, I think, will agree that's the year of hindsight. But if not, tell me what year you're looking at. What will be different about internal audit? Will it have turned that corner and become the de facto command center for risk? Who will be in internal audit? Will we see an influx of millennials getting cutting their teeth now and becoming solid members of the IA team in the next six to ten years? Paul Sobel, you're up first. Go ahead.
2: Well, thanks, Bonnie. And first I have to say it it is kind of ironic that as we talk about uh, evolving technology, you ask us to look into a crystal ball, which is probably about as old tech as one can get. Um, Having having said that, in this time of rapid change I have to admit that my proverbial crystal ball seems to look a little different every time I'm looking into it but if, if I uh, think about uh, say the the turn of the next decade um, I, I think internal audits going to look very different um, I, I believe that first of all we will probably have a, a wide difference in, in skill sets and talents and, and those you know could be coming from younger people it could just be some of us old timers learning some new tricks but uh, the the traditional skills, uh, you know, understanding accounting, understanding fundamental audit skills. Well, that that'll still be important. That's that's going to be kind of the, the the ticket of entry, so to speak. That uh, we're everybody's going to have to be so much adept in both understanding and using technology, and understanding how to uh, really scan the market in terms of what kind of risks uh, are emerging and changing. Right now, we think risks emerge so frequently that you can't rely on an annual audit plan, but by 2020, it's possible that uh, we, we may find audit plans changing from week to week where we start to look at something and we say, you know, I no longer see a lot of value creation or value protection opportunities here, so I'm going to look in a little different direction. So that's that's kind of where I see things going. Now, I also believe that internal audit will be much more embedded in the organization. I'm not sure what a you know, virtual organization will look like then, but I, I really believe that we won't have, uh, you know, four walls in a department that you call internal audit. There may be matrix reporting lines, et cetera, but we... Are going to need to have people embedded in the business that can be listening to and understanding those changes on the you know the, the manufacturing floor or in the boardroom as and when they occur. We can't wait for information to trickle down. And once again, I think there will be a, technology will be a tremendous enabler for that as well. And then finally, I would say that uh, there's there's a concept out there called combined assurance. And, and I know Bruce didn't really like the term assurance, although I think he certainly agrees that from a conceptual standpoint, assurance is important. But I think. What will find is that uh, internal auditors will be leveraging the work of many others within and even outside the organization to make sure that uh, stakeholders get the right level of assurance, not uh, necessarily more or less, but the right level. And that's going to require us to work with other internal assurance providers, other internal experts, and really using that uh, word I used before, our facilitation skills, mm-hmm. to make sure that we're getting that all bubbled up to those who really need it within an organization.
0: Thank you very much. I appreciate that comment about the oldest. Yes, the crystal ball. It is old. It, it, I guess it was technology at some point when it was something that was new and interesting. Carrie Oven, you've looked into your crystal ball, whether it's high tech or not. What do you see? Give me uh, give me two minutes.
3: Yeah. Well, I, I I hope that I at some point can actually get my hands on that crystal ball, tech enabled or not. But looking forward for internal audit, I I actually see and I actually would would suggest that internal audit will have a, a more balanced char- charter with both assurance and advisory. But both of those elements really focused on value for um, internal audit stakeholders. I see an internal audit shop that's fully tech enabled, systems, process, talent, um, really harnessing um, the the technologies that will become more mature over the course of the next five years. I see um data and analytics and visualization and predictive modeling and regression analysis and continuous monitoring really actually taking root as our technologies get more mature from a holistic end to-end perspective. I see our internal audit being uh, internal audit reporting being highly visual, highly insightful at all levels. I see our risk assessment similar to Paul being very dynamic almost again day to day week to week versus an annual view. And I overall see internal audit just providing greater value to the enterprise um, and its stakeholders. And, and, And a very important point of that, being recognized for it. I would love to see internal audit embrace the concepts of a command center for risk, where we are actually having executives and our stakeholders involving internal audit in decisions around the business coming to internal audit for Advice and recommendations around decisions that the business is making, and frankly, having internal audit be a pretty cool place to be, which will then certainly help us attract the right talent. And who knows where we will be from a talent model perspective? If our talent will be traditional hires, if they'll be crowdsourced, if they'll be, um, you know, millennials. But I do certainly see um, change coming at all levels for internal audit. But with that change, also becomes becomes opportunity. And I think we can't be afraid of that change, and I think we can't be afraid to try new things. Um, Back to my Teddy Roosevelt quote, it's hard to fail, but it's worse to never have tried to succeed. So while Mm -hmm. we can see a lot of impediments and challenges throughout this, I think there's a lot of success for us as as well.
0: Thank you very much, Carrie. Bruce McQuig, I can give you 90 seconds. Use it well. Go ahead.
4: Thanks, Bonnie. So mm-hmm. my view of the future starts uh, many years ago, and I recall my first uh, conversation with the CEO of the company that I became general auditor for, uh, and I recall him saying to me, Bruce, uh, you can be my eyes and ears. I want you to be my eyes and ears. And if you could picture a cartoon bubble over my head in that conversation, and I can picture it myself, the cartoon bubble would say, um, are you telling me you're blind and deaf? I mean, why would you want eyes and ears and, unless you can't see and, and can't hear? Um, And I took from that conversation that what I really needed to do as a chief auditor was to give him a lens to look through and give him the levers to pull. There was really no gratification in being somebody's eyes and ears. Far better to give him a lens to look through and give him levers to pull. And the notion of audit being a command center for risk is extremely appealing because virtually everything we do in the GRC business is in response to some real or perceived risk or to manage risk in some way. So I think what we need to do is is think about the future that way. How can technology help us give executives and boards uh, a lens to look to? How how can we explain things using technology, dashboards, visualization, taxonomies, and how can we give them the insight to know how to change things, uh, give them the levers to pull? So those are the challenges I think we're facing today. And it means to me that we have to start thinking at an enterprise level, and not at a, at a uh, at an individual location level or process level, it means to me we can 't start thinking about we have to stop thinking about managing controls and risks one at a time and look at them strategically and It means to me we have to start thinking about the future and not the past and providing insight as to how to affect the future so Oh, so the Thank you, I Bruce. Find.
0: Thank you. We're out of time. I appreciate it. Thank you, Paul Sobel, Carrie Oven, Bruce McQuaig. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Tomorrow, Coffee Break with Game Changers. We're doing a best of because I'm out of town. The topic is frictionless customer service, war stories from the trenches with Don Peppers and Anthony Leeper. Next Tuesday, we'll be back live with Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Thanks for listening. Thank you to Chris Grundy, Aaron Hughes, Birgit Starman's, Henner Schliebs, Brad and the Business Channel team. And here's my call to action. I can speed read this. I can. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Bye bye.
1: Thanks again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best run business is run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O and join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time, here on the Business Channel, wishing you a game-changing week.